the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 146. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning, or it's afternoon now for me. <laughs> We've been doing this for a while this morning. <laughs> we, our listeners don't know, but we have just been doing back-to-back recordings and getting ready for February because... Uh, our sound person, which is my husband, is going to be gone. So Sandra and I are having to like really get up to speed here and like pack in all the interviews and all the, all mm-hmm. the technical stuff. So right. hi Sandra again. <laughs> hi again. To <laughs> tired of talking to me? Not tired oh, of talking to you. Absolutely yeah. not. But yes, we've right. caught up already. Yeah, we've already caught up. I'm going to Portland and seeing some unruffled so i'm excited about that by the time this airs i will be in that fair city um so that's kind of fun what else what's going on with you anything you want to share that is super exciting i let's see what has happened this week a lot of things have already happened this week but i don't know not not a ton worth mentioning except that (laughs) i um took a hot yoga class yesterday how was was it it was hot (laughs) I just watched the Bikram documentary. Everybody um, keeps mentioning that to me. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, re- I understand that that guy is a creep, but there was no yeah. creepy people in this particular yoga class. I will say, no, but um, it, they, they seem like it was like a like it's intense. Mm. You know what I mean? Just the practice, and the, the, either people love it, hate it. You know what I mean? Like you're all in or, or, and it's like you sweat your body weight, right? Or something basically. Yes. I mean, I think what was cool about it for me is that you are just like, um, you know, they, they say that yoga is good for dropping into your body, get into your body, feel your body. Well, you definitely do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) in a hot yoga class, uh, although I, you know, was getting a little distracted with like how thirsty I was and, and, you know, how I was thinking about a cool breeze and mm-hmm. <laughs> how nice that would be <laughs> when the door was going to 
finally be opened and there would be cool breeze. Yeah. Did, was there smelly people next to you? Like, was everybody I, smelling? No, no, it actually smelled kind of nice in there. I think they intentionally oh. like make it smell, I don't know, like essential oils or something. I okay. mean, it didn't stink. It didn't smell bad. It didn't. I mean, it was very intense. Um, yeah. is a good word, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I bought a two week pass, so I'm gonna use it. Awesome. I'm not going today, but I may go back tomorrow. I can see the appeal. I can mm -hmm. see the appeal. And everyone that was in there was very dedicated, you know, dedicated. You could tell that they, that was their jam for yeah. sure. And I, you know, there was lots of just, um, you know, I don't know, very experienced yogis, probably lots of, um, you know, I don't do that thing where I'm, compare my lack of flexibility to everyone else's, mm -hmm. but, but I will say that there was lots of people that in there that, yeah, they had been working on their practice for a while. You can tell. Um, but, uh, yeah, the instructor made some comment. I'm trying to think she made a comment about, you know, if you're distracted by your uh, wanting to grab for your water bottle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wait, I'm really like dehydrating right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. She's trying to make a comment about, you know, how you needed to come back to your breath. And I'm like, no, I I'm am thirsty. I am dehydrating. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Sandra, I did a Bikram class, um, of course, at the height of my drinking, because um, I was trying all the things to figure out like that I didn't have a problem. That was kind of dangerous, I think, because you're already so parched and dehydrated. Oh, I, yeah, right? I can't imagine. Being and then doing there. that class. <laughs> oh, dang. I die. I think I would absolutely just lay down and die, I think. And that's yeah. what I was saying. Like all the people in there seemed like just, I don't know, very healthy. And I don't know. It made me kind of feel something. I mean, I, I, I don't, can't really say if I'll do it, you mm -hmm. know, all year, but. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. I could see myself getting like a punch card or something where I didn't have oh, to commit yeah. to it every week, but I could go when I felt like, you know, getting all intense and hot and sweaty. I imagine it's almost like a, like a rebirth, right? Like you kind of, you leave it all there on the mat and kind of have all this stuff purged from you in your mind. And then you kind of leave probably with like a little bit of an empty or spaciousness, not empty, but spaciousness. Mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, a little bit of that. That's what I kind of like about yoga when I can do it. I could get some of those results, but, but Bikram, when I was watching that documentary, that was what was so fascinating. It was like, just to watch these people just sweat and sweat and kind of leave it all. And it seemed like a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I felt very buzzy when I left. Mm. I mean, I, I, it, it, and it kind of, it, it gave me energy for the rest of the day. So I don't know. I get the appeal. Oh, one thing she did say too was the instructor said something about being type A and how she assumes everyone in the class is type A because that's mm. what Bikram like attracts a person that's really type a over type b people and i thought okay well maybe i maybe this isn't a class for me well more will be revealed because i am not type a at all interesting interesting she said that well i think yoga was in the in the air because i took a, a restorative yoga class with natalie fairbrook and another teacher and also they added in um 
essential oil components to all the poses. And I kind of resist yoga I've shared, but I've never done restorative yoga. Oh yeah. Um, that was like the best 70 minute nap, 75 minute right. nap I was that I've ever taken. <laughs> and I was like, yes, please. And she, they talked about like the nervous system and putting this blanket around you and how it calms down your nervous system. Like, and laying on your left side is your feminine side. That's where the divine, you're more open to the divine, like all these little things that I was learning as they were kind of going through the class and you're going to feel restored. Like you got six hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, Why have I not done restorative yoga? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like that would be your yeah, place. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on it. For sure. I left yeah. there feeling good. Somebody asked me on Instagram, like, I, uh, wow, you know, like I, I posted about doing hot yoga and mm-hmm. somebody was like, wow, I, you know, I do restorative yoga. And I was like, that sounds so lovely, but I'm just not there yet. And what I meant by that was I don't think I could sit still there for an hour and a half doing nothing. Like that's, that's my big work. Like I, I, like, it wasn't no. easy. that sounds right. like torture to me. <laughs> torture. Well, you know what? It wasn't, um, for me, I, I do struggle with being still, right. To just be still, to meditate, to sit still. So I think because it was at the end of the day, it was a five o'clock class after a long day out and about, and I'd been up since about 4.30 or 5, it was perfect timing. I don't think I could do that oh, first right. thing in the morning. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think it was the right time. And I also think it was just the right time for me to be open to it for sure. whatever reason. And, and it helped that it was Natalie's new studio, which is Revolution Yoga. And it was really cool to go and kind of be in her space. and, and Wait, her new studio? And that, well, she, where she's working, the new studio. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, she doesn't need another job. Something? Okay. She's got like nine jobs. So yeah, she doesn't need to own a studio as well. <laughs> Although I'm sure she could do it and pull it off. I have no doubt. Okay. So we're going to introduce our guest, but do you have anything that you want to promote, Sandra? Uh, yeah, I would love to promote the spark again. Um, so of course I don't have my copy pulled up in front of me and you would think that I just haven't, it ha- I haven't, it hasn't been birthed long enough that I can just rattle um, off riff on it. Yeah. Um, it's a small digestible program is what it is. It comes in a PDF and it's only seven lessons and you can consume them all at once or you in an afternoon, or you could do it. Um, you could break them up and take a lesson a day, but basically it's a way to find the spark of your creative curiosity. Um, I think that I talk a lot about changing your story, but I think before you can do that, change your story around the limiting beliefs that hold you back, you know, from attending to your dreams, you have to determine your why. Um, Your why is what makes it sustainable. Um, Your why is what turns it, makes it from a project to like a, a process. And you can do that by just um, mining your own life and your own history and experiences. So this is a course that kind of just takes you through that with just some really simple explorative um, writing prompts. And it's $29 and available on my website, vnruffle.com. There's a bar at the top. If you click that, it'll take you right to the page. Oh, wonderful. 
Um, and yeah, I have a couple of things to offer as well, but you can just go to my website, TammySalas.com. They're on my homepage and you can check them out. My Groove 11 day creative email course is there and um, Proof of Life will be launching in February and it's going to be a four week uh, self-guided class, but it's going to be eight months of kind of like not group coaching, but more sharing sessions every Sunday, the first Sunday of every month for 2020. And I'm looking forward to working with women and, and sharing community that way. So that's also included in the price. So that will be launching in February and more will be revealed on that. Um, but let's get, let's introduce our guest. Yes, let's. So today on the podcast, we have Jackie Hathaway Levin. And I'll tell you a little bit about Jackie. She is a freelance writer and sober creative living in Winter Garden, Florida. She has almost three years of consecutive sobriety, but eight years of character building and sobriety attempts to share. Um, I like that. I like how she Mm -hmm. phrased that. After four years of touring with her husband on the Cirque du Soleil show Curios, they are now settled down permanently. Yeah. And from living nomadically for so long, um, it taught her to dig deep for roots and to find a sense of grounding. And she attributes her sobriety and strength to online communities while she lived abroad. And now now that she lives in one place, she hopes to start yoga and dance workshops for recovery in the Orlando area while continuing to advocate for recovery in online communities. And if you want to know more about Jackie, you can find her on Instagram where we talk about her beautiful videos that she, that she puts on there and her writing. Um, and it's Jackie, uh, it's at Jackie.Hathaway and her blog is the OAM.blog and you can find her on Facebook um, at the OAM Sobriety as well. So we hope you enjoy, we enjoyed our chat with her and she's just a beautiful soul and um, I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Where are we chatting with you from this morning? Um, I'm in Winter Garden, Florida, which is right outside of Orlando. Hmm. How long mm-hmm. have you been there? Because I know you just made a big move. Yeah, uh, we've been here a little over a month, and um, it's our first time living the stationary life, which is pretty exciting. For, um, so, so how, yeah, explain, explain more. Well, so... Um, my husband and I have been uh, touring for uh, about four years um, nomadically with a Cirque du Soleil show. So this was a big move for us. We switched from a touring show to a resident show and it's, um, it's really exciting. It's a big change, but um, we were really ready to put down some roots. Now, I mean, this is probably a really dumb question, but I guess you're, and you're working for Disney? My, um, my husband, he, uh, they're they doing a new Cirque du Soleil show uh, with Disney. So it's going to be a resident show and it'll kind of be their first collaboration and it could be here for 20 years. And for us, that's great news. <laughs> that is so exciting. Yeah. I, my, I'm sorry, just my inner child. <laughs> oh, no. That, yeah. That's fan of Disney. Is, and can you believe I've never actually been, I've never even been to Disney in Florida. I have in California, but not in Florida. But um, that sounds so fun. It sounds, um, I'm sure it's way less glamorous than I'm, than I'm romanticizing it in my head, but 
Well, I think everything has its ups and downs, you know, I think just like, like touring has its benefits, but it definitely, you know, you miss having your couch, your bed, your, you know, the, the, um, it starts to wear on you a little, I you know? Imagine. Yeah. So this is kind of a treat to be in the same place. Yeah. And to nest, I'm a huge nester. So yeah. I imagine like having your space to do that. Um, can I ask you what he does in the Cirque du Soleil? Um, he's a, he's a musician. He, oh. uh, plays cello, piano, and guitar. And so, but they do a good job of incorporating the musicians into the live stage show. So uh-huh. they are, do full makeup and their costume and everything. So it's it's kind of an interesting gig for a musician for sure. Yeah. No kidding. That's fun. I mean, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. You're, you're like there, you guys are doing it. You are, you are working artists. So that's really commendable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into how that was for you and sobriety okay. and travel. We're going to get into all of that. But normally, like when we start, we usually, um, so our listeners can kind of get up to speed and get to know you. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners do know you. I know you're in our Unruffled community. Um, yeah. And you ride online. And, but, and what is your sobriety date so that we can just start there? And how you um, kind of came to the decision to quit drinking? So my sobriety date is April 3rd, 2017. Okay. And Congratulations. Thank you very much. This is my longest, uh, longest consecutive time being sober. Um, I had gone to AA and been sober for almost two years when I was 23. Mm-hmm. So my original sobriety date was January 19th, 2012. Okay. And, um, and after I went back out, I really would try and go back in the rooms and, and it it just wasn't working. It just mm. couldn't make it stick. And so I eventually, I kind of gave up on that idea. Did you and have so, a sponsor and work the 12 steps when you were in, yeah. in AA? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I, I, I loved my sponsor. I still communicate with her. She's wonderful. And, oh. um, but it, it just wasn't sticking and I really gave up on that idea. But, um, so it was like, we were living in um, Texas with the show and I had just really, I realized my life didn't look like the way I was drinking did not reflect the life that I was living. And it it wasn't that classic rock bottom. Like I was just crawling on the bathroom floor. It was kind of this, like, I just knew it wasn't who I was anymore. And, um, I had to, had to change, but I had already given up the idea that I could get sober. And then I, um, cause you thought I, it only had to be in the rooms or you had to do yeah. it the traditional way. Exactly. So I kind of just accepted, I had, I think that was the big thing is I accepted, I just accepted that this is my life. This is how I, I need this much wine and this much alcohol every day to function. Mm-hmm. And that's just who I am. And I was a day drinker for sure. Um, it wasn't, I mean, I definitely couldn't make it to three o'clock without drinking. And I had just accepted that. So when I, I was, we were living in Houston, Texas with the show and I just Google, or I was on Pinterest and I just put in, um, sobriety cause it, and then I found, uh, Hollywood occur and the hip sobriety. And it was just such a breath of fresh air like somebody was talking about it outside of the rooms you know Mm -hmm. it was it was really like 
I don't know. I, I feel like it was important. I think that I needed to see that at that time. And so the day after that, I just stopped. And you just stopped, just read her blog and said, that's it. Yep. Can we, can we visit yeah. this for just a yeah. minute? Cause I am yeah. so intrigued by this perspective. So, and, and correct me if I'm just, you know, putting words in my, in your mouth, but I, I'm, what I'm hearing you saying is that AA 12 step, maybe that was where the most de- desperate people went, right? And then if, you, if that didn't work for you, then you felt like you were truly like immune to any kind of program. Is, is, yeah, is that I, make sense? I, I did. I had, I just accepted that it, it exactly like I'd already done it and it didn't work. And that's right. it. And if that's the only place you go, mm. And it, and it doesn't work for me. I yes. just had been like, I just accepted the the consequence. Yes, this life is hard. Yes, drinking is hard, but I don't know how to stay sober. Now, and I, I, yeah. And I think this is a testament to the, that, that, that it's so important that there are options. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, Holly's website, I mean, someone said in our group recently, or I saw on social media recently, like, um, who writes a freaking manifesto, right? Badass <laughs> people manifestos. Yeah, um, uh, Kaczynski writes a manifesto. So, so yeah, there's exactly. it's like there's some personalities that are writing manifestos. But when I read her manifesto as well, Jackie, and on her website, she scared the crap out of me, right? But yeah. I was intrigued, and I read every single post. So I get what you're saying. I was in AA at the time and still am, but I, I get that kind of pull where you're like, it's powerful. It's different. It felt really outrageous too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It it felt like, well, I've never heard this before. What's, what's this? And, you know, I think, I think that there, I don't, I I have to say, I don't know if I would have been able to make that change had I not had all that time in AA. And I want to say that out of, out of respect for that time and those people. And it, it did shape the decisions I made. That's my story. And I wouldn't change it at all. I don't know if everyone could just read those words and say, I'm changing my life. But for me, it was, I'd seen both sides and I knew this was my side. This is what I needed Mm. to do. Mm -hmm. And again, thank goodness that there are options because not every voice is going to, you're not going to hear every voice. You're just not. And there's, thank goodness there's so many choices now and so many options that maybe there is one voice that, that can penetrate. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it, I, I just think that that's the thing that you end up feeling when you don't make it like how I felt in AA. And I, I mean, I, you're a failure. You, right. you, 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 if you can't do it our way, you can't do it. There's right. Us, Cause it seems like you. it's the last stop, right? This is the for last sure. stop last on the train on the, here. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the feeling. And yeah. yeah well, I think, I think lately just because of all the different, um, you know, forums that we're in and then we, and the conversations that are happening about sobriety and that have been happening with gray area drinking and the mm-hmm. sober curious movement and 12 step programs and things like it's given me pause to, um, be more honest and transparent in my meetings when I go. 
Um, not not that I need to have, like, I'm on a bandwagon and I need to change, um, this 12 step group that I'm in, but I am talking more honestly and transparently and introducing myself differently in meetings and kind of just owning it in a way, whereas I felt a little timid before, like, oh, this is the program. This is what we do here. Um, I do respect it, but I also know that I am no longer afraid of anything in those rooms. Like I'm not afraid to say what I feel. And I'm not afraid to call myself something different. And I'm not afraid to share my story with another woman who shares my common problem and say like how I did it. So I don't know. It's kind of nice to have both. It's great that you have that framework and that background too, so that you can understand the difference and why this speaks to you. Did you do hip sobriety school? I didn't. It wasn't in our budget at the time, Mm -hmm. but I was able to use all the tools and join the communities and, and get a lot of support from that. That's yeah. wonderful. I love it. Yeah. I, love I Tammy, you said something. Uh, Uh-oh. I think I read. You, you said something <laughs> that um, I really liked. I, it spoke to me because I found myself in a situation. We were in Singapore this year, and I went with some ladies to a meeting, and I hadn't been to a meeting my whole time oh. <laughs> in this sobriety. And I went to a meeting because I thought community would be good, and I I found myself not knowing what to call myself mm-hmm. and it and it and it it tripped me up and I felt like I was being rude and all these uh-huh. feelings came back and I, because I didn't want to say I'm an alcoholic because that's not how I identify right. and I I think maybe that week I read that you say you're a dignified sober woman mm-hmm. and I just really I felt like that was so beautiful yeah you go in and you, you can do it your own way you don't yeah. have to and I just think that's really beautiful you know uh-huh. I didn't I never knew that. I didn't know that, you know, I, yeah. I guess. I didn't, and I didn't always feel that way either, Jackie. But what's really cool, what's been happening, I mean, I know what happens in the room stays in the rooms, but I am going to share this. Um, because I've been doing that, other women have been coming up to me going, I like what you're saying. I want to introduce myself that way. I go, you totally can. I give you full permission. Like, call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah. Man, um, from a friend, I didn't hear it firsthand, but I heard from a friend of mine, she's like, so-and-so called himself a sober, dignified man in the meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, he did? And I was, I was like, well, because that's what we're doing. We're getting well, right? And I'm not, I'm, for me, my, my, I can only speak for me. Like, I feel different than I did in the beginning. Um, I still use the word alcoholic in meetings. I introduce myself that way when I'm a secretary because I'm reading a script. I, right. It's an economy of language for me now. Mm-hmm. And my mind has shifted about it. And, um, I don't know, I think, yeah, you can, in, just if people are listening, um, we get this a lot in our secret Facebook group, like you can introduce yourself as an avid reader. You can introduce yourself as a, you know, uh, whatever you want to introduce yourself as, yeah. you, can. you know, it might you get a little say giggle. Your name. You can That's actually it. even skip. Yeah. You don't have to say a word. Right. Right. But I don't think, you know, in the beginning, we don't know, or it feels like you're put on the spot. And for yeah. me to say I'm a sober, dignified woman the first time, I have to tell you guys, I got a little flush, you know, and I got a little nervous oh, for some yeah. reason. And I've been in there for four years. I've been in the rooms. So, but now I own it and I love it. Well, I think that's the feeling in general. Like, I mean, I don't know where it comes from, but we all have that eventually where it's like, oh, who's going to where are the police? <laughs> like, right. Like, right? Like, oh God, like, where is it? You know, like whatever it is that you, you step out across that line. Yeah. Like yeah. where are they coming for me? You know, like that feeling it, it, it's, 
good to rebel against it for sure. Yeah. Or like Amanda Grace said, king alcoholic. No, but I think the beautiful thing that's hard to articulate, and I'm sure I'm not going to do a great job right here, but the beautiful thing that I find in the rooms is that I slowly get to return to myself, speak up for myself, call myself what I want to call myself. I get to be honest and respectful, not brutally honest. I get to be rigorously honest, which is a big difference between the two. And I get to learn from other people. I didn't realize that when I first went in, I was just sitting in a chair kind of hiding, you know, yeah. and being ashamed. And now I sit up and my hair's back in a ponytail and I'm taking notes and like, I, I feel like it's a classroom. Mm-hmm. And that's how I approach my meetings. But yeah, to go after not going for a long time. So did you speak up or talk or did you have to say anything? I, I, I just noticed the language was different than I, I, because I had really made it a point to not go to meetings because I wanted to re- rebuild my foundation. Mm-hmm. For, for I, I, and I liked this idea of building myself up instead of what felt like cutting myself down. Yeah. And I, and so I noticed like in the share, I just kind of felt like mine was uh, more positive than uh, self-deprecating, which, which not not to say that that's wrong, but I just I just and I I did kind of get flushed, like you say, like is yeah. this okay? Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to say it this way? But yeah. I'm really glad I went. It was a good experience, but it also made me realize maybe this isn't something I want to do all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I go visit and go to refuge meetings. I when my friends friends are speaking at them, like I go, I can go be a visitor in another modality, yeah. you know, like that feels fine. It doesn't have to define everything, but I like, I, I, I appreciate um, you sharing this because I know a lot of people that are um, sober curious or new to sobriety, they're just trying to figure it out and it can be really, it can be a lot of feelings. Yeah, definitely. Feelings. Yeah. So did you, so online communities, that's kind of where it was at for you connection to try it when, yeah, when after you found Holly? Def- definitely. And you know, that ended up working out because like we were, I stayed sober in Houston and I found my, uh, I found a yoga studio Mm -hmm. that was amazing. And then I listened to podcasts and then, um, I started connecting with ladies online and it just like through Instagram and it was like, um, and I think that there's different Facebook groups and stuff. And it, for me, since we travel all the time, it, it was great because those things stayed the same when we moved to the next city, the next city we went to was Winnipeg. And then I still had my online community. I was able to kind of build. You can take it with you. Yeah. Yeah. You have to start over every time. Exactly. That's awesome. Aspect. I didn't think about that. To move around. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we were in North America touring, I mean, the cities lasted eight to 10 weeks. So it was a quick, you know, it's a quick life. You, and then from Winnipeg, I met, some people there and um the girl was sober curious and I just find it interesting because she was we still talk now she just didn't know where she where she fell and I knew where I fell into being sober and um I didn't have the language to talk to her at the time but about gray area drinking and for me I only still knew it as you're either like me where you gotta quit or you like or you can drink do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like, it's not a spectrum yeah yeah I, I think it takes time to absorb that language and and realize even if it's not doesn't look like your story it's okay you know yeah yeah well, I think we know, right? We know inside there's that little tiny thing that's that's uh, niggling at us that's like something's not right, but I don't know what it is. 
Yeah. And to finally listen to that, I think that's the beginning. That's the whole curious part of it. Um, when we're reading the memoirs and we're trying to find online communities or Google searching, you know, am I an alcoholic or, you know what I mean? And, right. and to, to, everyone has their own different unique path, but to, to have another person that you can share with, which is, I think is so important to be heard and to be in a community where, you know, eventually you might hear something that is your story or that does resonate with you. There's a beautiful connection in that. Yeah, definitely. You need people in real life for sure. Well, when you're traveling, um, you know, when you're living and you're traveling nomadically like you do, that's, um, you have to create your normal, right? You have to create some consistency and some, and some things that you can count on. So having, having, um, your phone or your computer, yeah, it's with you all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and then writing and sharing the stories, that's like, it, it really, it connects you with other sober people. And in it, you know, so I, I was able to meet with um, Tracy Murphy in Oregon when we mm-hmm. were in Portland and we hung out several times. And, you know, when you do travel a lot and you get to meet someone even for a couple times, it's like, it, it stays with you, you know, to, mm-hmm. to have that like in-person meeting. But I think you guys find that too, when like in our community online, when you actually get to meet someone in real life, it's really oh, yeah. special. Oh, it's yeah. yes. There's it's, nothing like it. I know it feels weird at first and then it feels like you've just known him forever and the best. Yeah. And, yeah. When me and Sandra did our Portland meetup, we were like, um, it just went too fast. Right. Sandra, it was like mm-hmm. a dream. It was like, all of a sudden it was over and we're walking to the car and I'm like, what just what magic just happened? Like that was amazing, you know, cause there were so many ladies there, but yeah, in real life, if you can find a person, you know, that you can connect with or just even have coffee with, um, while you're traveling, that's really key. It's really key. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have questions about drinking culture in Japan, but we'll get to that later. I want to oh, ask yeah. you about, um, what creative medium you're working because I found you, um, through Instagram. I was watching, okay. I don't know how we found each other exactly, but I remember watching your videos, movement, your writing. Um, and um, I think you, you published something on Elephant Journal that I saw maybe somewhere mm-hmm. else online. And that, I think yeah. I reached out to you. Um, yeah, to join I our, think we were in Osaka. Yeah. yeah, we were living in Osaka at that time. Yeah, um, so I, I've been focused in, for these past couple years on my writing. I've always, it's always been a part of my creative like wheelhouse, but it's just, it's writing for sure has been where I'm at. And it used to be dance. I used to teach dance and that was, it was always, even if I didn't know it was therapeutic and therapy based, it was always in that world, you know, Mm -hmm. and with contemporary dance, but definitely I've been focused on writing um, and uh, poetry and I think it's important too to not just stick to one thing. I I make sure to kind of and sometimes I paint, and that's why I really appreciate your daily gratitudes. You know, mm. um, I I've found that I there's different kinds of writing. There's writing for me, and sometimes on my blog that that's like the more poetic kind, and then there are the like service pieces. Those are really fun to write too because they kind of ask you to put something together for someone else, you know? Yeah. What do you, so service pieces, what do you mean by that? 
Um, they just something like a like sometimes they're listicles or something that mm-hmm. you kind of simplify an idea and this like this is an article about this or that you know yeah. more prescriptive right yes for yes. sure whereas I can get very fluid and I, I to me that 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 feels good <laughs> it feels good mm-hmm. to be very I love descriptive writing and I love talking about the flowers and the air and everything like that you know and it's um and it it kind of takes a lot for me to reel it in to make a piece that's like very uh cut and dry to the point you know but Mm -hmm. those are fun it's a good it's a good challenge and I learned a lot with Elephant Journal doing that I um was a part of their writing program for a while and then I mentored in their um yeah in their writing program oh that's so cool so now when you are on the road when you and your husband are on the road do you also work for Cirque du Soleil I did I worked I worked wardrobe for a while and oh, it was really fun. Yeah. I thought you might be interested in that. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. She's on this, this is my porn right here. Tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun. Um, we, I was a dresser backstage for a while. And, you know, everything that hits the stage with Cirque du Soleil um, is washed. And you have to take care of it. You hand wash. And you have, they have these washers in the back. And you... A lot of okay. Well, a lot of times, what happens is the theater company will rent out costumes, and your job is to just kind of freshen them up every night. The mm. Cirque du Soleil they make all of their costumes, so everything that is there, they have fabric in the back that could potentially fix it. It all comes from in house, so it's like um, okay. So does each actor only get one costume that they, they have each to have about three costumes okay. that they rotate? But it's like um, so they have. Uh, for, for each show because sometimes there's like a double that they do and they have to have like two costumes for that day and then the, sometimes they need a backup but yeah it was really fun and I got to it was a really d- cool experience it wasn't my um, first passion so I was a, it was a learning experience you know mm-hmm. I, I even said I'm like I know how to sew point shoes and I know <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> and buttons but it was it was really uh, it was a really fun experience and um, I had to stop because I uh, it broke my wrist when we were living oh. in New York. Oh. Yeah, which was uh, how'd you do that? I was um, I was riding my bike in Central Park after too much wine, hmm. and I uh, yeah I took a tumble off my bike and oh. yeah you had a consequence. It was one of those. There was <laughs> yeah. a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember thinking when I fell off the bike, like, I hope they don't know I've been drinking. Not, not is my wrist broken, but I right. hope they don't know. Shame. Like already, already starting right. the shame yeah. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they can't tell, like, you know, but yeah. So, so did writing okay. come from needing to find something that you could also do nomadically? Because I mean, that's a great option if you are a nomadic person is to, you know, develop a writing practice or, you know, try to make it a career. Yeah. Uh, it definitely, or was, was it something that you already felt passionate about? It was already, already something that you were doing. I was already passionate about writing. It's something I hope I'd always kept, uh, some kind of a blog, some kind of poetry blog, some kind of community of, of writing, but I, I really kind of left it behind and um, 
I had the chance to dive into it because we were living nomadically and because it was something I could do mm-hmm. anywhere. Well, I also remember Jackie, <clears throat> your videos and finding you on Instagram and following you and of your, um, uh, help me find some words for this, but your movement and um, describe what those videos were that you did online because you're a trained dancer. Yeah. Um, yoga obviously is in your life as well. Mm-hmm. And you would write and do these beautiful posts. And they really, it's almost like this beautiful time out for me on social media when I would see those posts and I would just watch them. They were very meditative and beautiful. Can you explain to our listeners kind of what you were doing with those so they could understand? Of course. Um, so I, I really enjoyed just like finding my own space with dance again without it being anything for anyone else, without it being um, specifically dance. And I, I found this kind of language to, to kind of appreciate my body in a, a way that, I don't know, sometimes like it's just the space between when you are, whatever makes me feel, feel good. You know, I, I think, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it, it definitely... Like if I were to imagine something like to give someone softness, if I were to imagine something to create a space, like that's the class, those are the classes I used to create. If I were to give someone something, if I were to give a space to someone, I would say, what will make you soften? What, what, can, what can give you a, a space to, to just be for a second, you know? My shoulders mm-hmm. just dropped when you said that, when you like said soften, like I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm on alert a lot of the time, you know, my body mm-hmm. is. So I get that. Yeah. You get that. And you would shoot okay. these kind of in front of a beautiful window with a silhouette of you, if I recall. I, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was usually in a hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that was my corner and I lots of times would go get flowers from the market and I would make this space, make this space as beautiful as I could. And this just was my space and, and uh, whatever came from that and in that space, you know, and I think that's also embracing uh, femininity and be embracing this side of me without judgment and without all this, I don't know. It just, yeah, the safe space for sure. Mm-hmm. It reminded me, I was thinking, um, I'm sure you've heard this a ton, but like lost in translation, like being in that hotel and kind of having it be otherworldly and like, you're not of this world. You're not of that world. Like you're kind of in this liminal space. And I felt I could, you could feel that mood from, from your videos too. And they just, and really, how long have you been a dancer, Jackie? I started dancing when I was 10. Oh, wow. So, so about 20 years. Yeah. And, and I haven't, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to. No, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, it, it seems like you combined a lot of things. Like it was organically coming together for you, like this beautiful, you're a very creative person, obviously. So it was like you were, you were listening to your intuition. It seems like you tapped in. Well, you know, when I was living in Atlanta, I danced with, uh, this company called glow atl and the creator would put on these public art installations and it was hard to tell if what we were doing was dance it wasn't quite it was kind of like 
we were pieces in public art and Mm -hmm. I didn't understand a lot of it at the time I was 25 and I, I just didn't understand a lot of what we were doing and I was kind of always asking questions like what is this what is that and then when I got sober this time and I found Kundalini I was like oh my gosh that's what she's doing this these these spaces where you kind of create you kind of, maybe that's not exactly what she was doing, but it was some, it was something that wasn't dance. It wasn't ballet. It wasn't contemporary. It was like, it was something else. You know what I mean? And when I found yoga and when I found these movements and the gestures and mudras, I realized like, this is a, this is a language in itself and being able to, to use your body and it kind of creates this space was just like, it was the most therapeutic time I remember connecting those things and realizing like this is just joy I can just just move without feeling I just I'd never felt like that before with dance and all my career dancing I just never felt like that you know yeah yeah I would think that dance is one of those things where yeah it uh, like you if uh, sometimes it's beyond a goes beyond a category like when i watch dance you know obviously um you know when you're watching hip-hop or you know when you're watching ballet or you know you know when it's a specific type of dance and it fits neatly into a category but it's the other type of movement that i can't quite define that just feels like this real vulnerable expression that just Mm -hmm. like i could watch that all day it like makes me slightly uncomfortable and but it makes me feel something that I can't it's like an expression that I can't quite describe which is what art is it often goes beyond description yeah exactly and I think the a phrase that comes to mind when I think about that is like you you don't have to punish yourself you know, this isn't about that. And I think for a lot of artists um, that we have like this, we just need to be perfect. We need to do all these things, but it's just kind of a freedom to say like, you don't have to punish yourself. You don't have to, it's not about that. You know, it, you can, you can really enjoy this. Right. You don't have to be the tortured artist. What? Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a practical question I have to ask you. Okay. When you're shooting these videos and we've shared with people, your Instagram account at the top of the show, because they're beautiful to watch when you're doing these things. How do you film yourself? Do you just set it up and how do you edit that? Or how do you, Um, or does somebody film you? No, to be honest, sometimes I am, uh, this is the kind of the kind of silly. Um, sometimes I've got because uh, it's usually in a, when a hotel or something. So I get out of one of our big suitcases and I put it up across the room and I set up my phone and mm-hmm. um, with like something against it and then I just do it like mm-hmm. that. And um, if we're out and there's something I wanted, to, like I, I, when we were in LA, uh, I did some on. The, the beach did some dancing on the beach and in the Grand Canyon I did something Michael's really good about doing that for me <laughs> I was like I, I just want to do something real quick and he'll he'll video it which is really nice oh, that yeah is. But, yeah 
He's super supportive. That's, yeah, I've used um, Play-Doh before, and let me just say it works remarkably well to like <laughs> lodge your phone. You just have to be careful yeah. that you don't get it into the crevices where you um, recharge your phone. But yeah, that's well, you, cool. <laughs> you did one underwater. You did one. Oh, under- that was with a GoPro. I think we had a we had a, a GoPro. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. I mean, so this is what I mean. Like when when Sandra um, has I, she uses this term, and I love it so much. The multi passionate, right? You are creative in a lot of things, and I think Instagram and even just presenting the video. That's why I'm curious to just uh, like to break it down because yeah, a lot of people will just stop and think oh, I can't do that. I can't figure out video. That's where I get stuck. That's why I was asking you. <laughs> Very selfish reason. Yeah, but I think. Um, I think it's just another way to express yourself, right? You found all of these different ways through dance, through yoga, through video, through poetry, through writing. Um, you're just a very creative human. Yeah. And you're letting that come out. And I like how you're sharing that with the world. And it feels very authentic, Jackie. It feels like just this beauty that you're creating. And you're like, here's a little nugget I'm going to share. Who wants it? Like, you know, just like it's an offering. I love it. I love it. And you have a, do you have a YouTube channel still? I, I, I do. I, it's not, it was something I started uh, uh, this summer uh, in 2019 and I, it was fun, uh, but it just wasn't my hell yes. So right. I, I, I didn't, it's just not where I'm at right now. It might be something mm-hmm. I pick up again, but I think if you are, you do have a lot of different mediums, you kind of have to pick and choose you know, right. where, where you're seems, at. It seems like a platform. Yeah. That you'd have to really put some time into and yeah. all of that. And you know, the fact that you, you are multi-passionate and you, uh, Instagram seems like the perfect place where you can, um, sort of, uh, combine those things that you love. You can combine words and poetry with movement because it's the perfect, um, you know, place to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's a visual platform for the most right. part. And so when you can pull people in visually, but then they get to read your words too, that's pretty cool. You yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. And they're interested. Yeah. yeah. I um, love, I'd love it. Yeah. Cause I'm a very visual person. So I think that your whole, your whole feed is just very visually beautiful. And then the words that you write and that you share with everyone. Now, did you create a website? Um, like when did you create your website? Uh, my blog, I started my blog, uh, my blog when I, we were in Winnipeg. So I had been sober for like 60 days mm-hmm. and, um, and I started, uh, the OAM.blog. Okay. And yeah. And, and how did you name it? Can you say that again? Just so our listeners can, uh, V and then O A M. Mm-hmm. dot blog and why did you name it that uh so when you are touring and you are accompanying someone because Cirque du Soleil allows families to tour that mm-hmm. each each show is like a family and everyone on that show brings their kids there everyone travels together and if you are not an artist you are an OAM you're an on-tour accompanying member Oh, interesting. Okay. It's all making sense. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I also like the hint towards Om and and coming back to Om. And so 
if any, but there's a lot of ohms. <laughs> so I just thought it would be nice and kind of a little mysterious, but I don't, I, I, I switched my Instagram name used to be that the OAM and I kind of changed it. Cause I think I, I sort of like having my name first, especially as a writer. Yeah. You no, know, I, I think sometimes that's important, but mm. yeah. Is it common for touring performance companies like that to include the whole family? That seems like such a positive It is thing. positive. I know, I know for people who, like a lot of musicians that tour, they go on tour for a couple months and come home and the family would never come. But this is life. Like when you ask mm-hmm. someone on tour and it's like they represent like 40 different nationalities. And, you know, when you ask someone on tour, like, where do you live? They go, Cirque du Soleil is my home. And a lot of times these are multi-generational, like their fathers and their mother, they were all in the circus. Wow. And that's all they know is, yeah. and their kids, every Sunday, uh, they have this thing called kids circus and you can see the acrobats training their kids. And it's, it's very cool because it's, they, they want these these artists, these performers to feel like home. And so mm. You know, and it's it's pretty cool. I That's have to say. fascinating. I bet just being yeah, just being getting to be a part of that. It seems just so rich and multi layered and completely fascinating to me. I definitely feel lucky that I got to experience all of those things with all those different people. And you know, aside from you get to travel the whole world, everyone that you talk to is from somewhere else, and they have mm-hmm. a different background and. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of Russian, a lot of Quebecois, French Canadian, you know, um, it's just everyone's from somewhere different. There are very few Americans, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And was there like, uh, what was, did you, I'm sure you noticed, was there like a drinking culture with all of these different nationalities and was yeah. that not even existent uh, or not no, to call anyone out, but no, no, no. I think, I think anyone, if you were to ask anyone, they would say, yes, yes, for sure. There's a drinking culture on tour and, you know, for a while for me, I couldn't be around it. And so I, there was, I definitely isolated myself for a little while because protection. It, yep. Yep. And I didn't because I I because I was so used to hanging out with everyone drinking. I didn't know who I was sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yet, and I didn't know how to be around anyone sober. So I would do a lot of one-on-one meetups with people, but it, around the big group was kind of hard, you know. And but that was mostly my thing. There wasn't anyone who was like, "Well, why are you sober?" You know, pushing nobody you. was yeah. nobody was pushing me like, "Here, take a shot." It just it was my own thing about me not knowing where I fit in yet, you know? Yeah. Um, and and, and so beginning. I, yeah. So I chose to stay back a little, but definitely, I think that's just, you know, some, everyone's looking for something different when you're on tour. What do you say? You ran away with the circus and I'll never forget when we were living in Tyson's Virginia and I had just started working wardrobe. This guy, this like veteran, he looks at me and he goes, so what are you running away from? And I just, <laughs> I felt so like seen, you know, like, yeah. oh my gosh. Boy, there's just I, novels out, there, novels. Yes. 
like I was like oh my god I can't even hide here what is he doing why is he, why is he asking me this question and I'll just I'll never forget that because it's, I think that's what took me a long time to realize even in my sobriety when I was doing my own thing everyone has got their own stuff and mm-hmm. or, it's yeah. such a crazy life that you know people everyone has their own reasons for for being the way they are and doing what they're doing but all in all it's it's just a pretty it's a pretty crazy experience that we're coming down from now, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and is, did you find any sober connections? Again, not outing anybody, but did you find any sober connections within the yes. family? Yes. And you know, it was really special actually. Um, there are two people on, on our tour who came to me and one has, if you can believe 30 years of sobriety and the other one has 20 years of sobriety. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? And just was mm-hmm. always in the back pocket. Like if you ever need anything, yeah. if you ever need anything, which always, even if I didn't always come to, to coffee or whatever, it was very comforting because especially in Japan, when you're kind of far from everything and everyone and, and every language barrier, it was nice knowing that there were people there, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find that a lot you know, especially with performers is that there's, there's a sober pocket of people because, you know, a a lot of these things, if you want to be sustainable and this is your career and if, you know, you drink out, you know, find yourself drinking alcoholically, eventually you have to pull back or it's a detriment, you know, to your, to your existence in that culture. Yeah, definitely. So as, as we're going through this, so when you're discovering all these things um, about sobriety, what's for you, what's not for you, um, and you're tapping into your creativity, I know you were doing videos. I remember watching some of your videos where you were just talking and reading some of your pieces. Is that correct? Like the, you're writing where you're reading them. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you're tapping into all this. You're getting back in touch with um, these different parts of your creativity, and then you're sharing them. Not that you haven't been in touch with them, but you're, you're, you're sharing them. It's like an act of service. Um, yeah with, with your, with your work, how, how, um, how's it playing like a role in your life now? How is the art and the creativity? I know you've just moved back here, so you're getting settled, Mm -hmm. but what do you see happening with you now, um, with your work and what do you want to do? Well, I, I definitely have writing goals that I am, I'm trying to meet on a weekly basis. I have daily writing that I try and examine every week and sort of pull into chapters and make, I'm not aiming too high, but it's just something to make a greater work that I can put together mm-hmm. that for myself and, and just to see what comes of it. And then for the community, I really want to get involved and, and start to create a dance recovery class. I think that would be mm-hmm. so, I think that would be so healing. And I, I kind of want to create that space and maybe a workshop that involves all of those things. So mm-hmm. I, um, and I realized that the Florida, there's a lot of people in the recovery community here. Yeah. And, and in Tampa and Fort Lauderdale. And I know um, Kelly Fitzgerald is in, um, I think she's on the other side of the coast, but that doesn't mean a lot in Florida, right? And Lara, <laughs> Lara Frazier's yeah. in Florida. Yeah. yeah. She's in Tampa. And my dad lives in Tampa. So I know we've communicated for a meetup. I, and I think there's just a lot of opportunities to, to, to make things like that happen. You know, if I, I feel like if I wanted to put something on, there would be people who help make, make it happen, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I think that sounds great. 
yeah, movement and dance and music. Like I, um, I, when I, when I danced, you know, at she recovers for that first time at that silent disco, it just felt like a release. And, um, I've been dancing in the mornings and listening to music and picking a theme song for the day. And it's just like my own little thing. And probably would look weird to anybody looking in my house in the morning or my husband's son, if they got up, but I'm the first one up. So I get to do what I want. And it's really, it feels really good to be in your body and be sober yeah. and not hung over and dance. Yeah. And you know, I, I think there's something just so powerful about doing like we were talking about doing something you're not supposed to. And maybe, and then, and then you realize that it's okay. Like whatever that thing is, you feel like you can't do and you just start moving. And it's like, it's just a freedom to let yourself be for sure. Right. You know, you to shake, just like leave yourself alone. Come on. You shake <laughs> some things out. It's like, you can't, you can't, you can't walk away from that and, and still be angry or resentful or yeah. whatever you had bottled up inside of you. Definitely. You just got to lay yourself and in, in, enjoy being in a body. You know, I, I think that we don't give ourselves enough space for that. And when I taught dance a lot, I, I was, um, I was teaching like this um, pre-professional. So a lot of teenagers and I really, I have such a soft spot for that age group because it's so hard. It's just so hard being a teenager in general. And so my class was always a place you know, to go, a place to go and, and just kind of uh, express and, and get a lot of things out. So I feel like if we can find that for ourselves every day, it's important. It doesn't have to be anything formal. Like you said, like you just get up and dance in the morning. It's nice. Yeah. Looks a little silly, I got to say, but it feels really good. Yeah. Feels um, definitely. Yeah. It feels like some energy gets moved around and I definitely feel different than I did before I started the dance. I mean, it's only like three minutes, right? That's it. Yeah. I do one. <laughs> it feels really good. It feels yeah. really good to get back in my body and, um, and love it, you know, you know, body. Um, when I was drinking and, um, you know, I drink for a lot of reasons, as I think most people that are on the show, um, we have lots of different reasons we drank or chose that as an escape or have cross addictions. And, um, it was a way, um, uh, for me recently, it was just for grief too. After I saw Liz Gilbert last year, it was like, she dances every morning and I can see why I can see why. Um, and it just kind of helps shake up the energy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is such a, you know, I, I feel like when, when I first got sober, I, I found myself just missing myself. Mm. I, I really was like, God, I just kept myself from myself for so long. Mm. And it, and it, it is really beautiful when you can come back and be like, you know, like, God, why was I keeping, I don't know, just, just ignoring you for so long, yeah. ignoring everything, because that's what we do. I think when we, when we mask things and we numb out, it's just like this prolonged pain. It just, to me, I kind of refer it to like a humming it just never ends with this pain and it just never ends. You never get to feel anything. And so you're just kind of stuck. And, yeah. and I feel like when you can really feel it all, it's just so beautiful. And there's, and I think as somebody who get, I still get embarrassed easily, even though as much as I share, I still somehow get embarrassed easily. And, but I, there's nothing to be ashamed of anymore. And I think that's the thing. It's like, even when I was drinking, you shouldn't feel shameful, but now I'm like, I've overcome so much. I've done so much and I mean, what, what is there, what is there to, 
to feel bad about, you know, you're doing it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I feel. Absolutely. How, how old are you, Jackie? I should have asked you this at the top. Oh, I'm 31. 31. Yeah. And to figure this out right now, I mean, the younger women that I see in the rooms or that are in these recovery spaces um, outside the rooms as well, I feel I'm like so happy. I'm like the big cheerleader, right? So I'm like, we're like, oh, good, you're getting it. Like, yeah, good for you. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I know we. I had to go through what I had to go to. I get it. I accept it. But to see younger women um, embracing this and having it be talked about in our society right now and have this movement, um, it's very hopeful. It's yeah. very hopeful that this can be the norm or that this can, that we can return to ourselves, right? That's a beautiful way of putting it. Like you get to um, not neglect yourself anymore Yeah. and get to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that we're on the, I think that's something Holly said that was very motivational in the beginning was like, it is a movement and, you know, you step ahead of the crowd when you, when you, um, you choose not to drink. You, you kind of are, you're doing something that's new. And I, it felt like that from the beginning, like it's unspoken. Like we are a part of something big, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't have everyone who's a part of this is important. I think. Agreed. Yeah. To make that choice. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, well, we're getting towards the end here, but I wanted you to share if you could, um, I mean, I know you've shared a lot, but can you just help us and our listeners just know how you're thriving now. Like, how are you thriving in your life without alcohol? How does that look for you or how does it feel? Well, um, I, I get up every morning and I have a somewhat of a morning routine. I'm never hungover. Right. Um, yay. <laughs> yay. Which never gets old. It doesn't. And <laughs> it never gets old. And I, I remember everything that happened the day before. And I, um, I have schedules. I have commitments to myself that I keep every day. Maybe not every day. Sometimes, you know. I, but I, I have a routine, and I um, I'm reliable. Mm. I am I'm somebody that other people can count on. I'm somebody I can count on. And it's huge. The, the thing <laughs> I never knew I was even missing. Yeah. So I had it. Yep. And I I um. I like who I am. I like who I am. And I, um, I, I, I feel I'm on, and a lot of things are coming from me, especially now that we're grounded and we're in one place. I know a lot of things are kind of, a lot of projects are, are in play. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that would never happen if I were drinking. I remember being sober, starting a job and then drinking again. And it just couldn't be that person anymore. And I already know what that looks like. Yeah. You know, I, there's no way I could live the life I live now if I were still drinking. And I know that that's the key for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, and have you quit other things since you quit drinking? Like, does it kind of spur you? Cause for me, like I quit dyeing my hair and I quit drinking <laughs> coffee. Like, is there other yeah. things for you that you were able to remove after you went on this journey? I quit smoking, which honestly I didn't think would ever happen. Um, ah, I never thought I could quit smoking cigarettes and um, I quit. And when we were in Winnipeg, uh, I read um, Alan Carr's easy way to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And I, it just, it, it does work. His method is like, I just never I'm done, just done with it. 
and um, I stopped taking prescription medicine, which was both of those things I had, once I quit drinking, I said, well, that's it. I've done the hard part. I didn't know I could go further. And I decided to keep healing. I quit smoking and then I stopped taking Adderall. And then now I'm really working on still, I'm still healing from eating disorders. It's not perfect, but working on the body and accepting my body as I am. So mm. it's, what did you say? The ever unfolding rose, right? It's never, it never stops. You, you, yeah. you can keep going and it's a, but it's always enough. <laughs> it feels like a beautiful invitation that I didn't even know I wanted to be invited to write this party, this yeah. kind of way of living. Like I thought I would never have thought that I'd even RSVP for it, but yeah, you get to keep doing all the work. And it's beautiful. Was your, I know that we're at the end of the interview here, but it was the eating disorder was, does that, did that fuel, did the drinking, I don't know, we've recently been talking to women. Yeah. Did it fuel things for you when you were drinking or vice versa? Um, I, my drinking really escalated when I, I, I didn't go into this in the, the interview, but I went to rehab for anorexia and then I never quite healed. And mm -hmm. I, drank a lot of, to mask that and right. um and so it was something like that's what I mean layer by layer eventually when you quit drinking that's still there you know it's mm -hmm. still still there so honestly when I quit Adderall it was it really there you know mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. just really food is very what is it they say um eating disorder is the only addiction you have to face three times a day Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not something you can just remove. You can't just take it out. And it's, um, I'm just, I'm, I think what I'm learning, because I am still learning so much, uh, to be patient with myself. Yeah. To be patient with myself and, and, and loving. And it's hard. But I, I, I think I can approach it now that I am sober. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to approach it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Removing alcohol, it certainly doesn't remove all the other isms. Um, no, it, but it gives you a fighting chance. Yeah. Yeah. With like clarity, you can have some clarity about what to do next and, and what the yeah. next move is for you. Yeah. Well, how long were you on Adderall, Jackie? Um, well, I don't think I was abusing it. I had a prescription for it and I took mm -hmm. what I was supposed to take, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I started taking, I took it when I was a kid, I took Ritalin. I'm, I was ADD. So my mom gave me Ritalin and then I um, took it. And then when I started college in 2008, I started taking it again. Mm -hmm. And um, I do think it went along with my drinking. I could drink more, you mm -hmm. know, because oh, it kept yeah. me up. I've it kept me experienced up. that. <laughs> and it, it wasn't, I think sometimes people look at it they, I, I felt like because I had a prescription, I was good. I didn't, right. I, I, why would I stop? A doctor says I can take this. A doctor gave it to you, right? Yeah. A we want to trust our physicians. Me. Exactly. And why, why would I stop? And you know, it was interesting because that drug is illegal in Japan. Interesting. <laughs> mm. And so I had to slowly wean myself off before we left for Japan and it ended up being the best thing because I don't know if I honestly don't know if I would stop on my own, but mm -hmm. I knew, I knew intuitively it, I was always a little extra, a little too talkative, a little, um, 
not eating. I just wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't eating. I, w- I was, I was, even in yoga, there was a buzz in my brain. I knew it was. Yeah. Cause it's me. speed. Yeah. It curves your yeah. appetite. You, I, I mean, I, every time I took it, I would, I could drink like a fish and I yeah. wanted to smoke two packs of cigarettes. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was fueling all of these other things that were right. going on. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I know that doctors prescribe it and I know that I'm certain that it can be taken responsibly, but that was, right. you know, that was definitely my experience. Yeah. Well, it's good to know, you know, my son is on it and um, for his ADD and um, it is, the doctor is weighing all the time, checking the heart, um, you know, and yeah, I worry about the future and I know addiction runs in our family. So, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, there's yeah. definitely things to think about, um, but it also helps them a lot too. So yeah, there's this, right. there's, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's good to have cautionary tales too, and that people yeah. are willing to share that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing though, is if something does work for you, that's, it's different for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there's different, there's different kinds. There's different, I don't know. I just, it, I just knew there yeah. was something that wasn't authentic. It didn't feel like this is, doesn't feel like my best version of myself, mm-hmm, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. And that's and all you got to listen to. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, when you're an adult, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm no, I'm not, obviously I'm not a psychiatrist, but what? I, I feel like <laughs> what? this is my intuition <laughs> speaking, but as an adult, there are things that you can do to help you improve your focus, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and maybe, maybe that's just the way, you know, it's, I don't think a lot of times we cast things as um, defects or there's something wrong with us mm-hmm. when it doesn't have to be a, a either good or bad. It's just the, you know, way we are and, you know, and we all need sometimes we all need help improving our focus or whatever, you know, if I think you have to figure out what your goals are, if you want to be more productive, um, there's just, you know, there's other roots to that, I think, than just medicating ourselves again, not casting all medication is evil. I'm not kind of purist, but my, um, my son's, um, executive functioning coach is what she's called to help him with, with his ADD. It's really beautiful because she said, Grady, you don't have to be on this medication your whole life. I'm not a doctor, but you don't have to be. If you find something you're super passionate about, right? please try to follow your passion and your creativity and try to find the thing because then you're going to want to use all these tools I've been teaching you. You're going to want to put them into place so that you can do what you really truly want to do. And that's been a really beautiful lesson for his parents too, me and my husband, to not push him to do this or that. Like he, we know for him, he's going to have to be guided by what really lights him up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Right. Yeah. Who wants to, yeah. Nobody wants to do algebra if that doesn't, (laughs) is not your passion. Right. Yeah. That's a natural response. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we're going to end it with algebra. That's how we're going to do it. Anyway, of course, in this creative podcast, let's end with math. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, well, we are getting towards the end. So let's, let's, maybe we'll jump into toolbox here and see. 
see what Jackie, what you have to share with our listeners for um, their unruffled toolbox. And if, if we have new listeners, this is just the part of the show where we're wrapping things up. And we ask um, our guests or Sandra and I share three items um, that help us either in our sobriety toolbox or our creative toolbox. So what do you have for us, Jackie? Well, uh, my first one is nature. I think that's super important. Stay grounded and go, go outside wherever, you know, next is books. And if I think that goes with connection, you're reading someone else's thoughts, something it connects you. It's very important. And then last is movement. So, um, sweat, do something. Um, Somebody used to tell me in meetings, which I liked, um, move a muscle, change a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really liked that. I say that one a lot to you. When I first heard that, it was like, oh, you're right. Oh, yep. it does. Totally. Mm-hmm. So nature, books, and movement. I love it. That's very good. And so, so um, like you could totally dig into those and yeah. you know, uh, make them explode too. Um, right. In terms of books. Yeah. I'm so excited. All the books that are on my nightstand right now. Um, to read. I, Sandra, you, Sandra read pra- a practically a book every week, right? Or, or 52 books last year or something. Mm-hmm. And you've totally wow. inspired me, Sandra. So I really, I'm going to, I'm reading more already, which I know it's just the first week of the year. So <laughs> I know how this can go. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you've been a, yeah, it's, it was really important in early sobriety for me. I read everything, Definitely. you know, and just kind of devour yeah. it. Um, Jackie, I thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find you and find your reading um, or find your, find your reading, find your writing? Uh, your reading. Uh, so you can find my blog, voam.blog. I have several articles up on Elephant Journal and um, I've been pitching a lot lately. And so I'm hoping that you'll see more of my articles in some recovery publications. There's, Excellent. So, yeah, I've been really working on that. And um, Instagram, I'm super active on Instagram. It's um, at Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-I dot Hathaway, H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y. And um, I, I do Facebook, but it's not, it's not my main thing. And yeah. I'm on the Unruffled podcast group, which is a really amazing. I love today's Creative Share Friday. Yes, right. it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And I love for people to share in there on Creative Share Friday. We should. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, I think, think they can only share on Creative Share Friday. Um, but you can share in our Facebook group any day of the week, like something creative you're doing or if you're making something. But if it's something that you make money from, we ask that you only share it on, on Creative Share Friday. But otherwise, if you're working on a project or um, writing something you want to share, like you can do that any day of the week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We encourage all sharing of creative. <laughs> we love creativity. sharing. Yeah. <laughs> I love our community. I feel like it's such a nice, beautiful community. And thank you for being part of it, Jackie. Oh, thank you guys so much for creating this space and having me come on. I've just really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, good. I- I can't wait till we get to meet in real life. That's always exciting. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Don't yeah. you worry. Are you going to She Recovers? I'm going to try. It's okay. so close. I don't, it I don't so see close. why it's so close to me. Yeah. It seems yeah. like they're bringing it right to you. So mm-hmm. right? yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> you don't have a lot of excuses. But oh, yeah. you'll, meet, you'll meet so many people. So yeah, that's very, if you go, even if you just go for the day, like you'll meet a ton of people. 
Uh, well, thank you, Jackie. We hope everybody checks out Jackie's work, her videos, her writing. And we just really appreciate you sharing this with our listeners so that uh, another woman can hear your story. So thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Sandra and Tammy, thank you. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.